0: what is human trafficking, how prevalent is it, and what can we do to stop it? Perhaps my guest today, Julie Ryan, founder and executive director of Catalyst Ministries, can help us answer those questions. So, Julie, welcome.
1: Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here with you.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So, let's talk first about what is Catalyst Ministries and what do you do there?
1: Catalyst Ministries is an organization, a nonprofit that... We where we work specifically with women who have a background of human trafficking, um, as well as exploitation and extreme abuse.
0: Okay, extreme abuse of what kind?
1: So that can look like uh, domestic abuse. You know, it can it can be anything where that that person has been you know traumatized in one way or another.
0: Okay. And maybe tell us what is human trafficking? I hear the word thrown around all the time. I also hear sex trafficking, but what is human trafficking? Mm -hmm. Uh, Put it simply if you can.
1: Oh, sure. You know, when we say human trafficking, we're referring to labor trafficking or sex trafficking. Sometimes it's both in the same individual. Sometimes it's one or the other. Um, Our specific Focus with Catalyst is with women who have a background of sex trafficking. Okay. And in that situation, the definition involves um, coercion, um, it involves deceit, you know, it it involves some specific things that um, have usually happened in that woman's life in order for her to end up in that situation.
0: Does trafficking the word trafficking in this sense does it mean like the exchange the illegal exchange almost like slavery type of exchange mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. is that what they call it human trafficking I think of the word traffic I think of cars on the interstate yes is it am I even a little bit warm with my definition oh, yes okay
1: you know I think that this is referred to modern day, uh, modern day slavery situation and so some people refer to trafficking in that way. So that is where the women are are not free. So in one way or another, they're not free to leave or they're not free with just even some of their basic human rights. Um, those kinds of things.
0: How does a woman even get wrapped up in this world of trafficking? Uh, mm-hmm. Slavery really is mm-hmm. what it seems to be.
1: Mm-hmm. You know... Uh, Paul, it's interesting. There are at least 25 different methodologies for human trafficking. And in, um, in the situations that we work with, with women, often there is a background of, of sexual abuse in the home as children, or um, it could be that they were involved with a foster care system and encountered abuse in that situation. Uh, so the um, statistics, the percentages are pretty high that mm. someone that has those um, kinds of vulnerabilities have a higher risk of being trafficked. So it's somewhere around two thirds, you know, seventy-five percent, something like that of of people that would end up that way have some earlier um, vulnerabilities that have happened within their own lives.
0: I see. So those certain things like uh, being sexually abused in your younger years mm-hmm. or being abused in a, you said something about a foster home mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. These are gateways into the mm-hmm. world of sex trafficking more often than not. Yes. Okay. I see. That's true. So what, you said something about foster care or fo- living in a foster home. Is that, is that a risky thing by what you're saying to live in a foster home? Is that where a lot of these uh, introductions into the world of sex trafficking happen?
1: You know that's that's what the, statist- the statistics show, um, and I think because of you know the just the the pattern of that where there can be several homes and there can be abuse within that home, um, I think that that's why that's that's kind of put in with that statistic. Of course, there are wonderful foster care situations. Hmm. But really what we're talking about is that if there's been violence and abuse in a child's life when they're, when they're young and, and there's some unhealthy patterns in that home, then they can be more vulnerable to violence and those kinds of things, which hmm. is what trafficking ends up being. They can be more vulnerable because they haven't maybe had a good situation um, with their father or with other men. And um, that's that's one thing that comes into play.
0: Okay. Are women much more represented in the world of those who are sex trafficked than men?
1: Definitely. Can yes. you got, any, mm-hmm. got
0: any numbers on uh, that maybe? I do.
1: Yeah. Conservative numbers would be 80%. Our women, um, the percentage, you know, so the rest would be men, of course, and, um, and I think, you know, we can go into that if you want to, of why that, why that might be, but that's definitely a much higher percentage, much higher prevalence for women.
0: Okay, well let's go ahead and jump right into it. This is this is pirate radio, as I like to say. This is a podcast. Anything goes, we can talk about whatever we want. So sure. why are women more represented than men in mm-hmm. this problem?
1: hmm You know, um, I mean what we're what we're talking about here is that uh, this is a situation where sex is being sold and somebody is profiting from that. And uh there is a you know there's a so i mean that's that's the most basic way i can probably share it with you right now is, is sex is being sold someone's profiting it's it's not the woman right in a in a trafficking situation she may receive something she may receive tips you know or something like that but um, she's definitely not the winner In that situation and uh, there's someone that's profiting maybe that's a pimp it's kind of known as a pimp or recruiter that kind of thing and um, a you know woman or a girl can be sold many times in a day you know maybe even ten times in a day and so if we're going to compare this with drug trafficking which sometimes these two are compared and sometimes they're linked um, you can sell a drug once and that's it, right? Mm. So, uh, this is this definitely has a uh, financial um, motivation for those who are involved in the recruiting um, of women and and in this slavery situation. Uh, so, the statistics again are staggering. Really, um, it's a it's an industry. If you want to call it that, it's a criminal industry that has, um, 150 billion a year that comes, that comes in through this industry. So
0: you said 150 billion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. So it sounds like when you said drug trafficking, it's like the illegal sale and distribution of X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. So drugs and women for sex. That's mm-hmm. really crazy. You said 10 times in a day. What's maybe the average age of these people? I'm just curious. These women.
1: Sadly, it's 13.
0: Really? Mhm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's average. That means mm-hmm. there's often younger pe- younger. Mhm. Huh. Have you worked with these this age of women? I'm I'm sure you have.
1: You know, um, I'm familiar with with these situations for sure. Um Catalyst Ministries our criteria is that we specifically um, provide services and help and support for women who are eighteen and up. So we we focus our our ministry is focused on adults, and um, so we don't work with children, specifically, you know, in a focused way. But I'm very aware that that's happening.
0: Does anyone around here work with the younger age group?
1: There are. Um, Organizations throughout the country that have a focus on children for sure. So, uh, in terms of um, specifically women that are children, I'd have to just do a little bit more research, but I think I know that there are some in Illinois. Yes.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds like the bulk of women who suffer from. Abuse in the world of sex trafficking are mm-hmm. 13 year old girls. Have you, but you work with 18 and older. Mm-hmm. Has your organization, Catalyst Ministries, ever considered expanding the age group with which it works with?
1: Mm-hmm. We have. That was something we considered when we started and we were founded in 2014. And in looking at all these kinds of details and what was the prevalence and what was our comp- capacity at the time and those kinds of things? Um, there's a certain, um, you know, licensing and those kinds of things are, would be different if you're working with minors for sure and quite a bit more involved. Um, that's something that we haven't taken that step at this point because we've got our hands full mm-hmm. with what we're doing um, with the population that we work with. Uh, but we'll see. You know, right. we'll see how God leads us, really.
0: Right. And I should you know. clarify also, I'm not saying, what are you guys doing? You should do more. I hate when people say that because you're already doing so much good. And mm-hmm. then people choose to get upset about you're not doing the rest of it or like what mm-hmm. else exists. Mm-hmm. Come on. I know you're a one organization. You have a capacity. You have a, a budget and you're doing yes. what you can and licensing and the logistics and the, the laws surrounding this thing. I'm sure it can be a headache, so I I just want to be clear, I really appreciate what you're doing. Oh,
1: thank you. And
0: it's really incredible, incredible work. You mentioned God. You want to see where God leads you. Right. Is this an unapologetically Christian organization?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, we believe that, that God, Jesus Christ, is actually the the catalyst. So we, we have this name catalyst ministries and you know a catalyst is a is a change agent. It's actually a chemistry scientific term. And um, you know, just in, in thinking and praying about this ministry back in twenty thirteen and around that time, we believe that God gave us this name. And with this kind of work where you're seeing women who have um, complex trauma and have endured so much before they would come to a situation where they they would come and get some help through an organization like Catalyst, we knew that um, without God's help, it, it's really impossible to have that kind of healing and transformation and those kinds of things that need to happen inside of a person. Um, and so we... You know, we chose the name Catalyst and really believe that um, God is the one that really changes a heart and a life, and He's the one that really can give a person hope and healing. You know, in terms of all the all the things that are needed, and I think it's true for all of us, actually, um, but especially for those that have endured so much. Um, we wanted them. We wanted something that was sustainable. We wanted something that would be effective, and not just uh, let's just put some services together and provide these things. We wanted to really be in a situation where we could help offer them, you know, true hope and something that would be lasting. Traditional, modern, or rustic, whatever your home interior vision may be, you can count on the professionals here at Gravel Lane Design Studio to make it a reality. From bathrooms and kitchens to laundry rooms and mudrooms, our talented team of designers specializes in custom designs including Amish-made cabinetry, countertops, showers, closets, and shelving that embody your personal style, creating the space you desire with the function you require. Based out of Eureka, Illinois, Gravel Lane is a locally owned business that takes pride in providing you with a delightful family-like experience. Give us a call and we'll pair you with one of our expert designers that will meet with you to
0: discuss your vision. Together, we will view your space and take measurements, explore materials and samples, and look over personalized digital renderings so you can see it for yourself. And only once you see a design that you truly love, will we begin building your dream room.
1: Turn your home's interior from ordinary to extraordinary when you call Gravel Lane Design at 309-383-0090 or send us a message through our website at GravelLaneDesign.com.
0: Gravel Lane Design Studio. Quality Craftsmanship believe what you want, you know, everyone believe what you want about God, but on this show alone, and I haven't handpicked people that have God in their stories, Uh but when I listen to people who have overcome incredible adversity, Mm -hmm. I had a young man who's my age who found himself, you know, addicted to heroin and meth, I believe, or heroin, and yeah, heroin and meth, and he was homeless, he was in a dumpster one day, and he managed to turn his life around in a matter of months because of God. He called out to God, something moved in his heart, and then it was, just a chain of events and now he has a family and he's actually very successful and he's a one and anyway there's a bunch of stories like that on this show and Hmm. so far always it's involved god in some incredible way so again believe what you want to believe but this is at least a coincidence among these inspiring stories that should give you pause you know what i mean
1: yes absolutely Mm -hmm. i love that
0: yeah (laughs) so what might, you know, tone switch here from inspiring mm-hmm. to a little darker, mm-hmm. what might a day in the life of one of these girls, mm-hmm. when they're in the midst, in the thick of things mm-hmm. in the world of sex trafficking, what might sure. a day in their life look like?
1: Yes. Oh, I'd be glad to share that. We actually have a video. Um, maybe at some point I can share that with you, Paul, from one of our graduates who, who kind of shares that. Exact thing about what her life was like before, um, and before she came to Catalyst. So she uh, had a difficult, difficult life, family situation growing up. Um, she, however, was a, you know, an athlete in high school and planning on college and all those kinds of things. And then, uh, and then she got involved with a man that kind of made her some promises that her, you know I, I think she basically kind of fell in love with him and made her promises that he didn't keep and she through that process um, became addicted herself and then uh, you know she was she was in such a vulnerable situation in terms of Then she was on the streets. You know, her life just changed so much, and she was um, vulnerable to just being exploited sexually, physically, and her addiction was such a, a factor in that. Um, so I would say you know, she was sleeping wherever she could, you know, she would sleep in a dumpster kind of thing or in a abandoned building. um, And when someone's in that situation, they're they're just really vulnerable and at risk for more exploitation because there are people that'll come along and take advantage of that um, Mm. for their own gain sometimes. So I would say that Sometimes, but not always, addiction is a part of that story. Sometimes it happens within the trafficking situation where the trafficker introduces that in order to um, cause that woman to become more dependent on him and maybe more compliant and things like that. And We're, so,
0: oh, continue. I'm so sorry.
1: No problem. And so, I would say if I was going to just say, Um, what are commonalities in that life. It would be um, the abuse at a young age, like I mentioned, Um, and then usually a risky relationship that that woman um, enters into. And she enters into it partly because she has some violence and abuse normalized in her own mind because of what she's experienced before. So that's one of the reasons that that's a link in terms of higher percentage of people being trafficked that have been abused um, in their in their childhood years, you know. Um, so if she enters into that relationship, and maybe she's she's met this person through Facebook. That's one of the main things that are used for recruitment, Facebook, social media, that kind of thing, where someone's basically pretending to be a boyfriend and he's promising her great things, maybe he's very charming. Um, And she enters into that relationship thinking one thing and wanting security and wanting the things that she didn't maybe get at home. And he can manipulate that situation very quickly so that then he is um, he, he's trafficking her. And um, he's making money from pictures that are being put on the internet, for example, or actively putting her into situations like an escort service or that kind of thing. He's the one that's in charge then. Usually he's then housing her and maybe some other women as well. And he is calling all the shots and threatening her even though there's that charming boyfriend thing there can be just a flip in that switch once it's obvious that that what he's doing is trafficking her and then she really is in a dangerous situation at that point um so that's that's kind of what it can look like and that can last a short time it can last 20 years you know and it's it's just a very um risky life than where she's put in situations where she can be harmed easily, and he's not there. He's not protecting her. He's he's looking for that money that is coming into him, you know?
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you for painting that so clearly. That is eye-opening, and mm-hmm. it's so frightening because the way you tell it, it sounds like a girl could, anyone could actually fall for that, Absolutely. you know? You just find yourself in a particularly lonely situation. Mm-hmm. Someone who's good-looking on Facebook or appears to be mm-hmm. good-looking reaches out to you, says nice things, makes these promises. You might be, I mean, you could fall for that. Mm-hmm. A young girl yes. could fall for that big time. Absolutely. And, and then you could follow up with, you know, let's meet up. Maybe takes you out to dinner. I don't know. You could, mm-hmm. A million things could happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, does this happen in Bloomington, do you think?
1: Oh, it definitely does. I'm sorry to say, yes.
0: This is pimping, is it not? I mean, I wish there was a different word. That word has developed a weird connotation. Mm -hmm. It's used in music. It's almost a positive thing Mm -hmm. sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. you get girls, you're a pimp, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. a
0: horrible term, though. You're a monster if you're a pimp.
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
0: So that happens here.
1: It does. And, you know, that can happen through a high school situation. It can happen. There can be you know, a fellow high school student who is actually recruiting girls, you know, it can be a girl that is doing that, not only men or boys. Um, sometimes a girl can be kind of um, used in that way. So if a, if a recruiter or a pimp um, has a girl that he's already recruited, sometimes he can use one of them to kind of um, sort of build that friendship with another girl and then kind of bringing her along in that way. So it it can look different ways, um, but definitely in our country, this is one of the most common ways that this happens and uh, can happen in high school, it can happen college on a college campus or whatever. And I think what I would say is that um, this isn't, Something that we we want to give people fear, but just awareness, and so that um, you know, girls when they're in this kind of situation and they're meeting someone, that there's a lot of things that they need to verify, and to not let themselves be in a situation where they're in danger or where they're isolated, that kind of thing. Um, So it can look different in different countries, honestly. Um, This is something that's pretty common here, though, as far as how that happens.
0: Wow and as you're saying this things are coming to my mind this is going to sound strange so like on tiktok for example it's it's not a mm-hmm. trend i wouldn't say mm-hmm. yet but it's not exactly uncommon girls will post and it is girls i don't mean to sound like a sexist anything uh-huh. but it's it's always girls on tiktok they will post a thing about you know a message they got or you know this old man said this to me and he and there's fetishes right there's like yeah. this one oddly common fetish it seems is like he paid me for pictures of my feet and then you know a girl's like oh it's just my feet and she'll you know get a hundred bucks for sending one picture Mm
1: -hmm.
0: although that seems harmless to her Mm -hmm. and i want to say i've talked to people in person like some girls have joked about that as Mm -hmm. well or you know similar types of pictures being sent once you start exchanging intimate pictures that are sexual or sexually arousing Mm -hmm. Is that kind of like a way in the door now you're in the world of exchanging your body in in some way, shape or form for money? Could that be dangerous?
1: I think that you know interacting with someone that you don't know at all and you don't know their background, you don't know what they're really seeking um you know, I know it's very common and it's it's kind of our social media world, but um, let's just say that that is how this kind of thing happens. That is one of the main ways and uh, so there needs there need to be safeguards, you know in our own selves and the way that we interact with people, and also just not not kind of being naive to the fact that there are predators, that that's, that's one of the places that they're looking for people. So whether it's their feet or whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, pardon my weird example,
0: but it's common. Yeah. <laughs> More common than you probably think. <laughs> if you're not on TikTok, I mean, it's like... It's so strange. Fairbury Furniture is Central Illinois' premier furniture store. This family-owned business offers a vast selection of premium furniture items from all of your favorite brands, including Sealy, Best Home Furnishings, Leather Italia, Tempur-Pedic, and Ashley, just to name a few. And right next door to their gorgeous 7,000 square foot furniture showroom, you will find the Fairbury Furniture Mattress Store, home to all of the latest and greatest mattresses in any and all sizes. Also inside Fairbury Furniture is the popular WC Market, a beloved shop that offers an ever-changing selection of unique gifts and fashionable home decor. So make your home interior beautiful, comfortable, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairbury's own Fairbury Furniture. I've had people on that have been immersed, like Rachel Timothy, and so I did a lot of research on this, on this topic, mm-hmm. and there, that's common, this mm-hmm. exchange of pictures. You know, often yes. it's, it's, you know shirtless picture or naked picture mm-hmm. or something but a great introduction is feet as strange as that uh-huh. is just uh-huh. because it seems harmless and all these girls are like okay that's harmless it's mm-hmm. not you know a picture of my breasts or anything like sure. that so but it's a way in the door like you're kind of yes. saying
1: yes i think it is
0: mm-hmm. i, I kind of cut you off there though we can you continue
1: Ah, uh, let's see where was i going there i you know I think it's it's just important for um, people to be aware and young girls to be aware that um, that even though some of these things can seem harmless and sort of entering into a relationship that way, um, it's very intentional on the other side. so there's a there's a definite way that um, people who are who are doing this are. Um, trying to groom that person they have specific things that they're trying to do to bring her into a place of trust and um, and it it isn't for the young woman's gain right it's for um, that pimp's you know benefit Mm -hmm. and so I think there's just a, a definite caution there that that we have to exercise you know
0: and you said that individually we should have safeguards to prevent the likelihood mm-hmm. of us getting immersed in this world or getting sucked into this world. What mm-hmm. do those safeguards look like? What's mm-hmm. your advice to individuals to mm-hmm. protect themselves from being wrapped up in this mess?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, I think if you have a gut feeling that something just doesn't feel right, you know, uh, I think it's really good to pay attention to that. And so um, it's a little hard to define that exactly, but in some of the situations that I, I know of, um, there was someone that was maybe at a hard place in their life and maybe they were lonely, maybe they felt isolated and in comes Mr. Wonderful <laughs> to try to, I mean, basically tell them everything that they would wanna hear Um, And they are drawn into that situation. And usually he will try to isolate them from their family and their support system eventually. Um, Because if you have a family and friends that are going to notice this, he's not going to want that, you know. Um, Sometimes he's going to be eventually asking them to move with him somewhere, and it could be something that seems really promising even, um, like there's a great job for you, or I know of someone who really had an interest in um, in music and kind of making it in the music world, and, and this then was promised to her that if we go here to this place, we're going to, I know somebody that's going to really help um, your dreams to come true kind of thing and it, 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 it's something that you want to hear so it's easy to believe it but I just think you just have to um, test all those things carefully and, and uh, go slowly in this situation not let yourself be pulled into this because sometimes that can be a slower process sometimes it can be quick and in um, a particular individual that I know of that was trafficked in the Dallas area, um, it was within a few days that she was um, kind of recruited and he wanted her to live in his apartment with him and then, I mean, within a few days after that, he was, he was trafficking her and selling her for sex, and kind of one of the main tracks, they call it, in the Dallas area. And so it can vary, you know.
0: All right. You're definitely going to be alarming some people. Oh, were you going to say something? I apologize. Yeah. Are you sure?
1: I, I'm, I mean, I can always I, say more, but... Okay. Well,
0: <laughs> it, feel free to say whatever you want. I apologize. I jump in when there's like a second or more of silence. So I don't mean to cut you off.
1: Oh, no, you're fine. Go ahead. You sure? Yes.
0: Okay, well, I was just going to ask, you know, you're probably making parents' ears perk up as you're saying this. Mm -hmm. What can parents do to help Mm -hmm. safeguard their children, especially their daughters, Mm -hmm. from being tricked into, again, being Mm -hmm. sucked into this world?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know that people can be alarmed, for sure, and parents can be alarmed at, at this kind of thing. I think that what we what we want to do and what what I want to do is help raise awareness about some of the signs you know, that people can be kind of looking for and aware of. And actually with Catalyst Ministries, we have three main things that we do and that we focus our energies on. And I'll just share that with you. Um, the first is raise awareness. So we work in the in the communities to share about the reality of this issue of human trafficking. So we do that in groups or at fundraisers or through our own website. um, CatalystMinistries.net is where you can find us. Uh, All kinds of ways that we raise awareness. We also do trainings like for law enforcement and uh, medical professionals and people that would come into contact um, with these situations. Um, The second thing is to rescue. So we work with partnerships around the country to help rescue women who are in this situation of violence. And so um, the third thing is restoration. And that's where we um, invite women into a safe living situation for housing and all kinds of different services where they can receive healing. They can live there for up to two years in this safe home. Um, this is called Catalyst Farms, and it's, we have this here in central Illinois and soon to have one in the Dallas area. Um, so that's a place where re- women can really be restored and um, receive the myriad of things that they're going to need. So it's a real holistic type of program, um, Christ-centered so uh, just to let you know that, I, I just kind of wanted to share that backstory. Mm-hmm. a that's little kinda bit. That's
0: kind of the process you go through with the women that come to you, and that's how you help them. Exactly. Is that farm in an undisclosed location, I assume?
1: Absolutely, yes. Beautiful. Right, it is. But we have um, a need for volunteers, and we have a need for those that would want to invest financially in our work, and also those that want to pray, we, you know, so really all that can be found um, on our website at CatalystMinistries.net, um, where if someone's interested in getting involved in some way or they just want to learn more or have us speak to their group or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, so kind of going back to your your thoughts on those parents and what are they hearing, what are they thinking, um, you know. Our desire isn't to increase fear, you know, for people, but just really awareness. And I think when um, there's an isolation of a, you know, of a daughter when she's she's being more and more isolated with this individual, um, I think there, again, there are things that kind of go off in your mind that can be sort of a gut feeling that. Something just doesn't seem right here, and I think that's where conversation with your your child is very important, or even if it's an adult, just having those those open conversations and um, maybe trying to include that individual in family things so that. It's not that he's sort of pulling her away, because that would be if it's a if 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 it's a recruitment situation, that would be his desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that that relationship and communication with your child is really essential.
0: Hmm. Well, you're you're touching on some psychological things really well right now. One of them being that isolation a child's isolation from their family is never really a good thing especially in the age of the internet Mm -hmm. because especially if they have a computer in their room oh Mm -hmm. good heavens they could be on there all night looking at anything they Mm -hmm. want they could be erasing their browser history parents will never know a thing Mm -hmm. and nothing good happens when someone isolates themselves Mm -hmm. that you look at even school shooters one thing most of them have in common is that they recede they they become reclusive they lose their friends and they stay in their basement and then their dark thoughts come up and no one's around to tell them that they're crazy you know and again you no one's around to tell you that hey this is sketchy this person Mm -hmm. you should not trust them if they Mm -hmm. don't even know so goodness i don't have kids or anything but when i have kids we're gonna be freaking (laughs) hanging out a lot because i don't want anything going on (laughs) literally behind closed doors yes so communicating with your kids is a good Mm -hmm. idea knowing what they're up to and Anything else?
1: I think that's I think that's great. I think even, you know, sharing um, that this is something that's a reality. So you can share that with your daughter without without scaring her or anything, but just to simply say this, make them aware of trafficking, and or maybe bring them to something where um, an event where this is being discussed, something like that. Here in the community, we have, um, you know regular opportunities where people can come and learn more. Um, this is something that maybe if, if a mother wants to come with her teenage daughter, so she's also becoming more aware and can kind of then protect herself. And she can see those signs that she might not uh, realize would be warnings um, in a way that somebody's communicating with her. We have a dinner that's coming up on September fifteenth. It's called "Be a Catalyst" dinner. There'll be a beautiful venue just outside of town, and um, that'll be a time we'll, we'll have a speaker that'll be sharing on these kinds of things, as well as it's a fundraiser for us. Um, we may have a one of a survivor speaking as well, and just a kind of the whole night is built around um, helping people to know. More of what's going on just so that they can arm themselves. So it's just a type of, it's a way to protect. And it doesn't have to be something that is fearful, because you can push away from things that might harm you.
0: Since 1950, Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury has been wowing customers throughout central Illinois with their unmatched customer service, delectable deli market, beloved grocery carryout service and many other fortes, which is why they've earned hundreds of five-star reviews online. Dave's 3rd Street Deli has plenty of seating and is a destination place to meet your family and friends for good food, fun and fellowship. Not only is their homestyle fried chicken here the best around, but you can also enjoy free coffee and 50 cent ice cream every single day. And be sure to check out their Old World Bakery while you're here, where freshly baked goods are prepared every morning. You'll find hundreds of unique and signature items here at Dave's that you won't find anywhere else, like their famous potato salad, ham loaf, and canned meats, just to name a few. Come experience this revered location that puts a super in supermarket when you shop at Dave's in Fairbury, Illinois, wowing the customer for over 70 years. Like you said, step one, build awareness, because it's Mm -hmm. hard to fight against something and protect yourself against something that you can't even see.
1: Exactly. And
0: I just want to say, I mean, the average age of people that listen to the show, I believe, is 39, so these are Mm -hmm. parents galore. Mm -hmm. and. Take it from me. I mean, I'm on social media all the time. Not too long ago, I was in high school and... Kids get messages, even me, I can't imagine what it's like for a young girl in high school. You yes. get weird Facebook messages from from fake profiles yes. all day long saying, hello, gorgeous, how are you? Hello, beautiful, how are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this, you know, Paul Garcia, how are you? And it's like, these are traps. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I mean, this yes. happens to me and I was a, a boy. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes it happens now. As you get older, it happens a little less often because yes. they kind of figure you're less naive and less susceptible, a less easy right. catch, I should say. Yes. But I want to say to parents, this is you know you say what you want, but mm-hmm. hey, talk to your kids about the messages they receive, really, because I guarantee you they're getting weird ones, and mm-hmm. it it's doing no one a service mm-hmm. to not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Talk about the darn things that's exactly. what I do on this show. You talk about the weird taboo things because yeah. those are often the most important, I think
1: yes, absolutely, that's wonderful, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true, Paul, and it's, you know, bring it out in the open. Don't be afraid to be involved in conversations with them, and even if they, at the moment, may not seem receptive, you are equipping them, you know, you are helping them to build boundaries and safeguards around, around themselves, and then when they go to college or whatever it is, or they have someone that's interacting with them on Facebook or on Twitter, TikTok, whatever, um, they may remember that conversation or they may remember that event that you took them to where they heard more, Hmm. heard from a survivor, and they heard things that um, were like, oh, this is what happened to her. This is how this person was talking to her. This is what so-and-so was doing and saying last week in our conversation. And I think it just turns the lights on. You know, this kind of thing thrives in the darkness. And uh, so to turn the lights on for those that we love is a loving thing to do, right?
0: Oh, that's a beautiful analogy. I love that. You no, know, it's like things in the dark, mold in the dark, in the mm-hmm. moist places when no one's messing with it, no one's shining yes. light on it, no, no sunlight's touching it. That's when mold grows. Yes. And by the time you finally show some light to it, it might be a little hard to handle. So
1: exactly. burn it out now,
0: kill it now. Put the light on it now. And you talked about, say the things to your kids, even if they're not, they don't seem to be receptive. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And that's Mm. true because there are things that I remember my dad telling me that were hugely important that I remember daily now that I probably look like this when he was telling them to me, but I (laughs) remember them, you know, they still are hitting the ears. We still hear it. Even if we want to make it seem like we don't care and we probably don't care in the moment, but still say the stuff.
1: Absolutely, that's kind of that tough love thing, that Mm -hmm. that really is loving them, you know.
0: Right, that's what love looks like. People Mm -hmm. got it all wrong. They think love is. I just had a priest on the other day, uh, Father Adam Kesserick, I don't know how to say his last name, but he spoke about love and, Mm -hmm. and. too often do we confuse niceness for love Mm -hmm. and affirming Mm -hmm. for love. Like, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. Nothing needs to change. That's not love. Mm -hmm. Love is willing and wanting the good of another person, even if that's uncomfortable, even if that's a sacrifice to yourself. Yes. It's genuinely wanting the good for the other person. And sometimes you have to set them straight Mm -hmm. and say things that they don't love hearing.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And this would definitely fall in that category. You know, Right. I think again not to not to cause fear or alarm but um, this is real and that pimp is um, relying on the idea that mom and dad won't get involved or they won't ask those questions and uh, you know that's helpful to them right but um, one one statistic that is hard to hear but again, brings in the reality of the dangerous situation that can uh, can happen when a girl is recruited into this. The, um, the average life expectancy for um, a person when they come into a trafficking situation is only seven years. So, um, you know, that's very uh, hard to hear, I think. But again, tough love it's worth it right you know she's she's completely vulnerable when she's in that and he can do whatever he wants to her
0: so are you saying that when someone does find themselves immersed in the world of sex trafficking usually they'll die after seven years
1: that's the average yes
0: on average they'll die Mm -hmm. seven years into the game Mm wow wow Never heard that before. And you spoke earlier about uh, a lot of the time these women will be they'll become addicted. What did Mm -hmm. you mean by that? Did you Mm -hmm. mean that their pimp will supply them with something like heroin, and -hmm. then they'll get addicted, and then they'll keep coming back and be like, "Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, I had sex with these guys. Here's your money. Can I have my heroin?" Mm -hmm. Will be that type of thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's Mm. yeah. So heroin. You know, whatever addictive drug that might be. Meth, cocaine, you know, whatever it is, and so that's it's what he's wanting to do, or she, usually a he, but sometimes not, uh, is creating that dependency. Um, it's one more thing that kind of ties that person to him, and so, so it's it's something that with the women that we work with, I'd say. Um, the majority of them come with some type of addiction because of that, and so that's one of the ways that we work with them, and that's one of the ways that it's a long-term program. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just a month or a week. It's not. It's not like that. We we're looking for a sustainable, long-term help for them.
0: Do these women ever find that they are in love with their pimp, despite how abusive they are? Do they develop some kind of connection that's hard to break? Because I, you, I, by the sound mm-hmm. of it. They would associate their pimp with protection food housing Mm -hmm. i mean all these things that you could associate with someone who really cares about you Mm -hmm. it sounds like a weird psychological trip but do they ever find that they're they have difficulty in emotionally separating themselves from their pimp
1: yes definitely that's an that's another part of the process and this is a This is a process, so it is similar to a brainwashing kind of thing in that way where um, there's, it is a very um, mentally, emotionally confusing situation for the women because uh, they can find that if they do a certain thing one day, you know, he's taking her out for dinner or he's treating her well or saying you're my favorite one or whatever it is, the next day she might do the same thing and he beats her. So there's no, there isn't really a consistency. There isn't a security, but uh, she's always hoping, you know, she kind of hangs on to that hope. And usually there's certain promises that he's making and it could be something like, you know, you just need to help us out financially right now. We're going to eventually get married and get a, a house together, or we're going to build this business together, and you're going to be part of that. I really need you to be involved. But for now, I just need you to help. You know, just just go out, and I'm going to have you meet with these guys or whatever it could be. It could be escort. It could be kind of streets. It mm-hmm. could be whatever it looks like. Um, you know, you're just going to be helping, basically helping the family kind of thing. And so she kind of develops this maybe loyalty to that, to that sort of vision. And, um, you know, it's it's all deception, right? But he's preying on some of her desires, you know, for security or for marriage or for a home. Um, so to answer your question, definitely there's a dependency. There can be kind of a... Um, I love him, he loves me, kind of thing, even though she still sees these things that are, don't seem consistent with that. You know, why would he beat me? Why would he make me do this or that? But then she rationalizes it. Um, so part of what we work with with our residents is um, all these different things to help with that. And so they would receive therapy every week. They would each have their own trauma therapist as helping them unravel these lies and these confusing messages that are in their heads. And there's uh, something that we use that's called Ending the Game. That's a curriculum that's um, created by survivors. And that's something that kind of in their group time that they'd be going through those kinds of things. So there's a four-phase program in that two years where the women are you know, receiving everything that they need as as much as what we can give them um, to help them kind of get out of those unhealthy places.
0: Wow. Very interesting to hear this type of insight. I've never heard this before, but you're painting it so clearly. It's obvious that you've worked closely with these women who have come from these situations because by the way you're explaining it, I just can't believe how someone could fall for it. Mm-hmm. you know I I mm-hmm. not I can't believe how someone would fall for it I just it's so obvious that someone could and yes. that's what's so scary yes. you know when you paint it like that and I put myself in that young woman's shoes I'm like hey mm-hmm. that might sound pretty good actually yes. so my goodness that's that's, right. that's amazing and you talk about you know you rescue these women how do you rescue them do you go out and look for them with a the detective and then you find them and say hey come with us or do they come to you how do they come to you tell me about sure. that
1: yes so, we have uh, quite a few different ways that that happens, Paul. And um, one is that sometimes they find us. This is newer, but this is starting to happen where they, they find us, they find our website, and they contact us and say, I'm in this situation. Can you help me? I'm looking for a program, that kind of thing. So, sometimes that happens. Uh, the most, probably the most common would be a referral from another agency that does this kind of work, or maybe they do something a little different, but they know what we do, which is residential, long-term residential care for survivors of human trafficking. And so someone else may be in uh, California who is aware of Catalyst, and what they do is um, kind of crisis rescue situations where somebody can come into their Um, their program for maybe a week and they're just kind of getting them, helping them get off the streets and that kind of thing. But then they need after that week, they need something more or they're going to just end up right back where they are. So sometimes we'll receive a referral from someone like that um, from the, you know, over time we're in our eighth year right now. So over time we've developed some relationships with agencies around the country and even around the world. We have two global partnerships so one is in Southeast Asia and one is in the Middle East. Um, but uh, that's, those are some of the ways that we receive kind of that referral. Um, another one is that we're part of a national network of residential care facilities. And so weekly we receive emails of um, people that might be a candidate. And so we look for who can we help the best and what's our capacity you know at at any given time and if somebody is a fit you know um and we see that we have capacity we have a bed available that kind of thing um then we'll begin that intake process with them and work towards basically a move-in date Mm -hmm. for them so we we have a system and a process and uh it's working well i feel like
0: Beautiful. And like I've said, uh, this is incredibly meaningful work you're doing. And you know, you. though, that some of what you're saying is controversial, as surprising as that, as that may be. Mm-hmm. There's actually, have you ever heard of OnlyFans? I'm not sure. It's an app where women, this is usually what it's used for, uh, they can sexualize themselves and people pay money for it basically they pay for exclusive access to their videos and Mm -hmm. there's some prominent names on the app and Mm -hmm. anyway there's a lot of people that say to to scold them for that Mm -hmm. uh like you might be doing saying that it's risky to engage in exchanging sexual images for money Mm -hmm. and saying that that's a gateway into something much worse yes uh to say that might be What's the word misogynistic, maybe, or or hating on women's sexuality and their sexual freedom? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you say to that? Because there's actually a lot of people that might think that you're being a little misogynistic or something along those lines. Or Hmm.
1: yes, interesting. You know, um, of course, we have freedom of speech, right? So, you know, people are going to do and say what they want to, and it. We're going to have people that are going to have different opinions on what we do at Catalyst Ministries, uh, how we do it, what our focus is, those kinds of things. But um, we feel like this is such an urgent, uh, this is such an urgent need and such an important need. We care about um, the worth of those women so much that. Um, we we just don't have time honestly to try to please everyone. <laughs> you know, this is what we do. This is what we feel called to do. And um love to talk to anybody that wants to talk about that, but we're not trying to be all things to all people. We don't we don't feel like that's what we're supposed to do. So,
0: right. No matter how noble the cause, no matter how wonderful the organization, there will always be trolls around trying to cut you down and okay. and Julie, we've talked about Uh, what trafficking is, how prevalent it is. Now, what can we, I mean me, not you, you're already doing your part, but what can people like me do to help stop it?
1: Mm, I love that question. Absolutely. Uh, There are usually three things that that I say in answer to that. And first of all, I want to say that there are things that you and all of us can do. And that's something when I first was learning about this issue and was a little bit overwhelmed. And I, I would imagine that some people, especially if they're hearing some of this for the first time, they're a little overwhelmed maybe by it and kind of like, what in the world could I do? You know. And um, what I've seen in these past eight years is that we really can make a difference. And especially together, we can do a lot more. And so those three things would be volunteer with us You know, there are so many different ways that people can be involved, and maybe that's in our office. You know, we have an office in Bloomington. We need an office manager right now, for example. You know, there's uh, there's a communications team that has, you know, social media and other things that they do. So if somebody is creative in that way or likes to write, you know, those are opportunities to be a part of that, that communications team. We do events. We need help with people that want to help um, create beautiful events. And with those events comes the awareness piece. So that's why we do events mainly. Um, So volunteering, there's also opportunities to volunteer directly with the women. And in that case, you'd go through special training and a background check and all those things, and we'd make sure it's a good fit for everyone. Um, But, for example, women... these the women who are residents in our program, they have different appointments they need to go to. So we have people that help drive them to those appointments and people that mentor them, all kinds of things. We have a boutique for gently used clothing for the women. And, um, so we need a boutique coordinator. So there's, there, there's so many things. We have a property that needs maintenance and help. And so we have, uh, some men that come and they mow a couple times a month and, so it just goes on and on and on, Paul. You could, know?
0: A, could a long care company come do that and then say that they do that? And then maybe it'd be even some good publicity for them?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Someone who's watching this knows I'm thinking of their business, but okay, interesting.
1: Absolutely. There's, there's so many things. And so it's it, we're just better together. You know, everyone has a gift or expertise that they can offer. And almost always there's a way for that to be a help. You know, with this ministry, so we have volunteer information nights where people can come and just learn more and see where they might be able to plug in. So that's all. Again, it's all on our website at CatalystMinistries.net. And um, so, first thing, volunteering. Second, financial um, partnerships. So we we function one hundred percent through donations. So those would be partnerships with churches or with businesses with individuals those kinds of things mm. and so of course you know to run a home to run an office to do all the things we do we need we need dollars of course just like everyone else and so um, we also need uh, that money to help of course serve the women and um, and so that's one very important way an impact donor is somebody that gives, a month or more a month in a recurring-type donation, so that's very helpful for us. Um, And then the last thing is prayer. So we really believe in the power of prayer, and so to pray for for Catalyst is such a huge help to us. And we gather together once a month with people in the community um, to do that together. So that's called Global Prayer Night, and it's on the fourth Tuesday of every month at our office at, um, I believe it's 5 o'clock.
0: Beautiful. Awesome, awesome, awesome. There's plenty of ways to help. Finances, volunteer prayer. Exactly. Great. And this is... What a great organization you founded, and you're the executive director of. You're really doing great work, Julie, and I really appreciate your conversation, mm-hmm. Your our conversation today. I think it was really powerful and really enlightening, and I think it's important that people hear it. So thank you so much for your time, <laughs> and thank you for doing what you're doing. And before we wrap this thing up, is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: Really, I want to thank you, Paul. Thank you for inviting me on, and thank you for what you're doing. And I just appreciate the opportunity to share more about Catalyst. And so, what a, what a huge blessing. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to The Paul Garcia Show. That was Julie Ryan. God bless and have a great week.